podcast. Um, today we're going to continue our series on how to make, you know, thinking about it from a customer's perspective. So we've spoken to, we had a couple of guests on giving their perspective on what it takes to make customers really successful, what they expect from vendors. So we're going to continue that series today with a focus on government customers, which we all know can be a little bit challenging. We have a special guest here today, Joa Ayanata, and she is a senior vice president of retail lending at PNC, and she's been in government her entire career. So she has an excellent perspective on what does it take to make government customers really successful and something that we all are hoping um, will happen in government over the next you know, 10 years, which is for them to really start to transform into being more effective using technology and kind of come into the digital age. So welcome, Joa. Thank you so much, Jackie. I'm glad to be here. And so, you know, thinking um, about all your years of experience, what would you say are the top, you know, three to five things that, that government customers look for in a vendor that really helps them to be successful with technology and really mature and become a bit more innovative and state of the art and digital? Yeah, I have a couple and I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time on the first one because I think it's a little bit uh, complicated. Um, one of the things that I saw when I was at when I was at a large uh, federal agency, I was with Treasury for a number of years. Um, the way that government employees will express this desire, and I'm going to translate it to uh, vendors, is that they will often ask you, "Who else have you worked with? Who have you successfully deployed your technology with?" And they want to hear other federal agencies or other state agencies have already uh, successfully implemented your um, your solution. And here's what they really mean by this. Um, and I don't know that many of my colleagues would have been able to articulate this, but where I saw things sort of get blocked, fall apart, and uh, for implementations that just sort of hit this really sort of sad space of paralysis is when you have this amazing innovative technology or software and it very clearly solves a, a critical need within government and during the implementation or doing maybe a, a, a prototype or a proof of concept experiment partnership, uh, there are a series of issues related to uh, privacy and security law in particular um, but also policy, so that sort of legislative and policy landscape that um, is really difficult to navigate with new technology. And the reason for that is that much of the government's uh, treatment and um, sort of policy environment around security and around uh, data and information was drafted, oh, 1980, <laughs> 1990. <laughs> So you get into these spaces where there's a clear solution uh, that, a, that a vendor is offering. You know, it's, it's an elegant solution, and yet no one can figure out how to interpret uh, the existing policy in a manner that will allow that information to, and that tool to be used. Mm -hmm. Let me give you a really concrete and sort of stupid example 
Um, but I think it's one that everyone will be able to relate to because I know what I, I'm talking about in sort of general terms. Um, I had an issue where um, my agency actually just needed to share with another agency uh, a large data set. We had done some analysis. We wanted to share our results. And both agencies had the capability to use an SFTP connection. Pretty simple stuff. Yeah. Well, wouldn't you know, we, it took us an extra almost month to be able to deliver our results because we had, a, had to write a security exception and get that approved because our policy said that the way that you share data is through a DVD. That is the only approved <laughs> secure manner. <laughs> That's great. I love it. Yeah. It's almost as bad as a floppy disk. Yeah, no, that's an interesting thing that I think a lot of technology vendors really don't understand. Um, There are people who have been in government or sold to government for a lot of years. But if you haven't worked in it trying to get things done, you don't really understand all those challenges or roadblocks. And so Sometimes it isn't about the technology, but it is about working the inside system in a systematic approach, it sounds like, in order to take down the walls that then enable the technology. Not really all that different when we think about it from commercial companies, right? Because even when we're in their commercial space, most companies sometimes grow despite themselves and then get themselves in into really challenging um I'll just say um, disruptive and um, disjointed, uh, you know, processes and and non-collaborative, even though they think they're being collaborative. And they have their own challenges internally from an operational perspective that limits their ability to use technology. The difference is commercial will just simply go, oh, your technology, you know, doesn't work or it doesn't work for us and on to the next gig that the next thing they do. Um, and I think that's something a lot of technology vendors miss a little bit. They get very focused on the technology being best in breed, which it is. And then, yeah, well, they don't really admit it, but sometimes they kind of blame the customer for the fact that it doesn't get implemented and what the customer is looking for, which is why all those SIs have (laughs) amazing growth in their companies is they literally will come in and plant themselves and work through all of that. So that kind of brings me to just a follow-up question around that. Because of that, is it helpful to be partnered with SI vendors who just know this really well or other types of vendors who are focused on government, who know how to, you know, work through the policies, the legislations and the privacy and security laws to enable the technology? Is that really the way they have to go? Yeah, I think um, I would imagine that if you, I'm thinking in particular of uh, maybe a small, a startup or a smaller technology company that's uh, just starting to step in, uh, wants to step into the world of of government and can see a lot of potential benefit for for government customers through their product. Um, I imagine it could be very challenging to try to find the expertise and to hire enough of the expertise in-house to be able to manage some of these questions and to figure out how do I do an implementation in this particular environment. Um, Now I will say, I'm not sure that 
anyone really has uh, the solutions right now around um, data privacy laws and um, uh, I think some of the security environments uh, can be really uh, difficult. I'm thinking of the uh, interest and desire that the federal government has expressed in moving to the cloud and yet even though there's a new process for cloud providers to be certified as uh, you know compliant, there are still a lot of uh, security challenges that get in the way of that, but I digress. Um, I do think that um, there are certain things like even bidding on contracts where uh, that in and of itself is a complicated process. And if you can find a partner who already has an established agreement with an agency because they've already been through sort of a pre-selection process, boy, that can make things so much easier. Um, and yeah, I, I do think if you can find a partner who can help provide even s some level of support to you and expertise on how to navigate through this landscape, I think you're going to be on, on I think you'll, you'll have much more success. If you go it alone, there's a lot of hiring that you might need to do. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and to your point, then that might be something they need to consider. In order to create success at the government level, it sounds to me like that is something a vendor probably would have to want to invest in, which is that, that level of government expertise, whether it's in their consulting realm or their you know, product advisory realm or you know, somewhere they need um, that level of advice on not just you know, making the technology great, but you know, how do we navigate through the right point of selling into as well as, you know, the right teams of people that can mm -hmm. make it happen and really change how they operate as a government and create those cost savings that they all know that they can um, realize with them. But just going at, at the normal, here's the normal way vendors, you know, attack government um, I'm, you know, we all hope that it's going to change and get better and easier over time. But you just pointed yes. out things that are in place from the 80s. You know, mm -hmm. they're not things have not been redone and um, mm -hmm. innovated and evolved and matured uh, from a lot of old legacy. It's like executive order over executive order over executive order <laughs> exactly. over executive order. And like, mm -hmm. how many of those deep do you have to go to make sure you're not <laughs> breaking any? you know, policies and, and laws. So no, mm -hmm. I agree. Um, what do you think are some of the things um, that when you when you're in and you're 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 actually, you know, thinking about it from a government perspective, when somebody lays new technology on you and and you have to utilize this technology, what helps you to be successful with it, with that technology? So interestingly, I, I would say it's, there's, it's almost never a particular characteristic about the technology itself. Uh, you, you know, when, when you're going from, uh, I'm, I'm being a little facetious here, but when you're going from a typewriter to, uh, you know, a, a computer that has all the GUI interfaces that you could post that anticipates all of your need, um, it's never about the experience with the technology. Um, it's all about the interaction with uh, the, tech, the the vendor's staff. And I'm thinking of a particular implementation uh, that I was a part of in which we had developed a really fantastic relationship with the vendor. And 
I remember uh, we, we had a big launch and we had a celebration and, you know, some of our uh, top executives uh, from Treasury came and one of them pulled me aside and said, you know what, I think it's really amazing that when I look through this room, I can't tell who the federal employees are and who the contractors are. Usually you can tell because they're separate and they're all socializing separately. We had found a way of interacting and part of it was because we partnered up using Agile. And so we were a blended Agile team of feds and contractors. Um, but that level of interaction of creating a team where we weren't focused on this very arbitrary issue of like, well, you know, I belong to treasury and you belong to so-and-so. Um, it was incredibly powerful. Now, not all federal agencies are going to be comfortable with that, which I, I think honestly is to their detriment. Um, but we were able to build this um, team that was able to consistently function together to learn and adapt as the imp implementation rolled out. And we would change our practices a little bit together to make everything go more smoothly. It was really fantastic. So I think that that willingness to partner and to be a team is important. Yeah. What did they bring insights and best practices? And was that really important? you know, for yes. them to understand how you operate, you know, what your um, challenges were and what you're trying to overcome. But was it, was it that they left it to you to figure the way what would work best for you? Or were they really good at coming up with recommendations, best practices? Here's some of the things that other um, agencies that are a bit more mature, um, these are what they've evolved into, which has really made them more effective or lower cost or things like that. Absolutely the latter. Um, when we encountered challenges on the implementation, uh, you know, we might, we on the Fed side might have been able to say, wow, you know, this piece didn't go quite right. Um, I guess here are some of our ideas. But our contractor partner had, had seen this before. And um, one of the, one of, an example of one of the changes that we made was um, we moved from sort of a typical agile scrum approach to um, using safe. Uh, so we were working in one month, uh, two sprint intervals where we'd have an intensive planning session at the beginning of the month, all of us together, uh, all 40 people in a room together. And one of the things that that helped us to solve was we kept hitting blockers where we needed a couple of people on different pieces of the parts of the project. And so they'd get overbooked. And so things would have to just come to a stop. And by shifting slightly the method, the agile methodology we were using, we were able to overcome that because when we were doing this planning session, we were able to say, oh, Sarah, we're going to need her at three different points in this project. How can we adjust our plan so that Sarah can work incrementally, you know, sub in uh, chronologically on each of these different pieces. Right. And that was an idea that the vendor brought to us. That was the best practice they brought to us and a solution they brought to us. So absolutely, that kind of knowledge, that kind of insight uh, is incredibly valuable. And um, we were very receptive to it. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I think that that does become uh, a bit of the, I call it part of the secret sauce uh, that helps customers just get over, uh, sometimes just get out of their own way, but also mm -hmm. to get over those humps that are just more challenging and they're looking for 
an easy to follow roadmap, you know, the next steps, things that are um, consumable for them, um, whether that's, you know, let's take this in, in small chunks and quick wins, um, but figuring out for each of those government agencies and departments, you know, meeting them where they are at, because, you know, as you and I have talked before, so many of the government um, departments and agencies and, and groups have such a mixture of experience and experience with technologies and innovations. But you also don't want to discount the fact that there's also people in there with tremendous experience and knowledge of government. And to be able to, you know, take those together and, you know, call it the young and the, and the older, you know, generation where you, you know, you pick the brains of both of them and come together with something that is a step forward that they you're meeting both of them where they're at you're making it so that they can innovate in the right ways and take advantage of the technologies in the right ways but it might have to be a slower process a little bit of a step-by-step um and figuring out kind of where that is that's kind of the thing that i've noticed in government is sometimes you know we're beating on the wrong doors and and we're trying to square peg round hole and and you know we might need to take a little bit more time to figure out where we really could start as a good play and how could we evolve from there and who can we get on our side and you know mm-hmm. who can and it's kind of like you know grabbing team members as you go you know um, yes. different people from different departments and different groups, even within agencies, things like that. And you can slowly build this, you know, a set of champions who, mm-hmm. you know, see the benefit to them, you know, in the end, everybody wants to know what's in it for them, right? <laughs> <laughs> Make this worth my while because, yeah, you know, I'm doing okay just as I am. <laughs> Indeed. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so flipping that a little bit, um, I'd also like to know, and I think our audience would like to hear a little bit about what makes government make decisions. And we know the probably the number one decision governments will make is to do nothing. So if something doesn't <laughs> yes. seem right or it's too hard or, mm-hmm. um, you know, they just they just don't see a way forward, they do nothing. Um, And then in some cases they go out and you'll see them, you know, put out for bid um, and they'll start looking for replacement technology and vendors. But what internally do they run across where they would want to rip and replace is the first one and or decide to do nothing? Mm. What would be the top three to five things that you've seen make a team or an agency, you know, bail on, on technology altogether. Yeah. Well, I know we already spent time talking about this, so I'll belabor it, but, um, that policy environment where, um, you know, you, you can't figure out what is the approval process that the government should be using to get something done because maybe there isn't one or it's, it's such a unique, uh, uh, situation such a new piece of technology that no one's sure who they need to ask for permission to move forward. Right. So that's, that is like a pure recipe for, for paralysis. So I would say to the extent that anyone can develop some successful roadmaps and maturity curves for, um, for that kind of policy space, with, especially with respect to security and privacy, you could be in a really good situation. 
Um, I think some other things that have been barriers, again, I would say from my perspective, it's a little less about the technology. Well, no, actually, let me give you one more example. Um, I remember being approached by a, uh, a vendor who was absolutely convinced that he had the right solution for me. And it was at, at the end of a conference. And I had sort of said, listen, uh, the, the legislative context I'm working in actually specifically says that I can't use that particular technology option. Mm-hmm. Um, and he looked at me like I was absolutely nuts. And uh, I think he immediately assumed that I was just trying to get rid of him. <laughs> and I sort of said, no, li- really, like, um, I'll, I'll, I can send you a follow-up email you so that you can take a look at our, our guiding legislation. Um, but I, I probably, you're probably wasting your time with me because I know I can't go in this direction. And uh, it was a pretty uncomfortable conversation. So I think um, there's a certain level of uh, knowing, knowing your customer, uh, sort of knowing that baseline uh, limitations and opportunities there that I think is important. Um, similarly, I think another thing, and this is a little, little bit of a different example, uh, that tends to result in government paralysis or the sort of like, nope, we're not going any further here. Uh, I, I actually struggled a lot to get companies to do um, what I will call a demo. Now, I know that that term means different things to different people. Um, I don't necessarily mean uh, a demonstration of the product in which I've already given you some data or um, you're going to show me uh, from behind my crazy government firewalls that you can connect live time to your, your software and everything will work. I just mean some sort of very concrete example of how the technology works and doing that with um, a use case, an example, a story that is roughly in the realm of the work that I do. It doesn't have to solve my problem. It just needs to be enough of a concrete story to show me how this worked to solve a problem so that I can do the creative thinking to say, I see the connection of how this is going, this relates to something similar that's going on in my world. I really had a hard time often getting uh, vendors when they would come and talk to me uh, to, to bring that kind of information. And I think part of it was that they wanted to have, they wanted to learn more about my context. But at a certain point, I want to be able to tell you, wow, this is either a great fit or this is not going to work at all so that you can spend your time more wisely. Right. And do you think that has a lot to do with if they don't understand the customer being that particular agency, what they do, what their mission is, what their top, you know, strategic initiatives might be for the year, they're not necessarily attaching to a high enough value. And therefore, in the demo, they're just, you know, here's our features functions here, you figure it out versus here's a demo that is a similar um, understanding of the type of thing that your agency might do. And, you know, here's how we solve that problem. And here's what it could do for you long term um, to save costs or to reduce headcount or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, is it is it more along those lines? They they're just not understanding what 
the real high value problems are. Therefore, they're not really creating a storyline around that that you can quickly go, yeah, if you can do that, I'm all in, right? Mm -hmm. Which is, I think, a salesman's dream. But (laughs) to your point, I think there's still, you know, you know, there's still some out there that haven't mastered that amount of research that it takes prior to walking in the room and getting their attention and keeping their attention because you are listening, you are understanding, and you are bringing something that they quickly can get their head around, see that it's a on their top initiatives for the year. And if it solves that at, you know, a cost point that makes sense, I'm in. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Um, I, I confess there were at least a few times when uh, I had sort of thought to myself, boy, I'm not sure that this particular vendor has even really done any basic research on my program. It seems like you know a little bit about the agency as a whole, but the agency is enormous and it has many different programs that serve very different functions and very different goals. Mm-hmm. And I appreciate that sometimes it's hard to find that information. Um, but if you should really walk into a situation at least understanding the mission of the group that you're dealing with, the group within that agency, you know, is it a fraud detection group? Is it uh, a benefits delivery program, um, are, you know, are they overseeing large-scale uh, reconstruction of transportation infrastructure? You know, what is that mission? What is that purpose? Um, at least understand that. Um, I would have been happy with that, and I would have been happy with a uh, with with an example with sort of a walkthrough of the product that maybe wasn't even in my space. But um, again, if it's if it's sort of a similar issue, uh, I can I can meet you halfway and right. do the do the calculation right. and say, oh wow, yeah, that's close enough. That would work for me to solve this problem. Right. But if you can't even get part of the way there, it's it's definitely very difficult. So I do think that um, doing some research on the customer really does pay off. Sure. It's probably not the most fun part about being a salesperson, though. <laughs> probably not. <laughs> Well, um, I just kind of want to summarize, you know, a a bit of, I think, some really great points and really great advice um, that you have shared with us. I think um, some of your points about, you know, what makes government successful is, you know, I think we said it, you know, several times throughout this, which is understand your customer, understand the agency, understand their mission. Um, you know, get some sense of maybe where their high value problems and challenges might be, you know, in your discovery phase, it's a good time to ask a lot of those questions. Um, I think your other thing is, is um, if you have that kind of knowledge, whether that's, you know, you bring it in house, so that you can share best practices, a roadmap, a sense of a maturity model, and then help them understand we get you, we see that you're here today here's the roadmap, it'll be step by step, we'll take you through the evolution. And by this time frame, you will have revolutionized, you know, this particular program, this department, this process, whatever that high value problem is that you've identified. Um, And I think, you know, you, you mentioned security laws, and, you know, the privacy 
laws and a little bit of legislation. Those are always going to be big roadblocks that I think anybody trying to make government successful just needs to understand how to navigate that through and, and maybe fold that into the roadmap on not just from a implementation of the technology, but a what do we have to do to help break down those barriers be, so we can get through that? Um, is that a fair kind of summarization of the what makes success for government? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think if somebody could execute on that, they would be the, the top vendor across, across the government landscape. And then I think some of the challenges are kind of the opposite of that, right? What makes a, a government vendor decide to do nothing, which is probably the most common or rip and replace, is not understanding them, not hitting any kind of, you know, high value problem, not having a specific set of high value outcomes that are going to help transform them and, and make an impact, um, not understanding enough about the agency and, and their internal challenges that you can't even demo a use case or something that helps everybody in the room to get their head around what you can do for them and what more can you do for them. Um, and I think if they tackle low value problems it'll be interesting but not enough for them to pull the trigger so I think what I gleaned from a lot of the examples you shared is still needs to attach to higher value problems something that's significant something that's top of mind for them you know if cybersecurity is the number one thing on their initiative for the year how do you help them with that how do you help <laughs> them innovate even if it's a plan that's going to take some time so is that Absolutely. pretty a nice summary of some of the key points that you shared? Absolutely. Yes. Well, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure to have you on as a guest. And thank you for all your insights. I know you were just a wealth of knowledge. And we hope that you will be able to come back and, and share even more um, with us. And as we go into other topics around this, I think this is a market that a lot of people are trying to break into. So your insights were super helpful. Thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, thank you, Jackie. It was really my pleasure. We'll take care and we'll talk to you soon. See you okay. next time. All right. Take care. Bye.